Hello, this is Martin Wolf, Chief Economics Commentator of the Financial Times, with my podcast. To nationalize or not, that is the question. March the 3rd, 2009. Lindsey Graham, the Republican Senator. Alan Greenspan, the former Chairman of the U.S. Federal Reserve. And James Baker, Ronald Reagan's Second Treasury Secretary are in favor. Ben Bernanke, current Fed chairman, and an administration of liberal Democrats are against. What is dividing them? Nationalization is the answer. In 1978, Alfred Kahn, an advisor on inflation to President Jimmy Carter, used the word depression. So angry was the president that Mr. Kahn started to call it banana instead. But the recession Mr. Khan foretold happened all the same. The same may well happen with nationalization. Indeed, it already has. How else is one to describe the actions of the federal government in relation to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, AIG, and increasingly Citigroup? Is nationalization not already the big financial banana? Most of this debate is semantic, But underneath it are at least two big issues. Who bears losses? How does one best restructure banks? Banks are us. Often the debate is conducted as if they can be punished at no cost to ordinary people. But if they have made losses, someone has to bear them. In effect, the decision has been made to make taxpayers bear losses that should fall on creditors. Some even argue that shareholders should be rescued too. But rightly, this has not happened. Share prices have instead collapsed. That is what shareholders are for. Yet the overwhelming bulk of banking assets are financed through borrowing, not equity. Thus the decision to keep creditors whole has huge implications. If we accept Mr. Bernanke's definition of nationalization as a decision to, I quote, wipe out private shareholders, end quote, we can call this activity socialization. So what are its pros and cons? The biggest cons are two. First, loss socialization lowers the funding costs of megabanks, thereby selectively subsidizing their balance sheets. This, in turn, exacerbates the too-big-to-fail problem. Second, it leaves shareholders with an option on the upside and, at current market values, next to no risk on the downside. That must motivate going for broke. So loss socialization increases the need to control management. The four biggest U.S. commercial banks, J.P. Morgan Chase, Citigroup, Bank of America and Wells Fargo possess 64% of the assets of U.S. commercial banks. If creditors of these businesses cannot suffer significant losses, this is not much of a market economy. The pro of partial socialization is that it eliminates the risk of another panic among creditors or spillovers onto investors in the liabilities of banks such as insurance and pension funds. Since bank bonds are a quarter of U.S. investment-grade corporate bonds, the risk of such panic is real. In the aftermath of the Lehman debacle, 
the decision appears to be that the only alternative to disorderly bankruptcy is none at all. This is frightening. The second big issue is how to restructure banks. One point is clear. Once one has decided to rescue creditors, recapitalization can no longer come from the debt into equity swaps normal in bankruptcies. This leaves one with government capital or private capital. In practice, both possibilities are at least partially blocked in the US, the former by political anger, the latter by a wide range of uncertainties over the valuation of bad assets, future treatment of shareholders, and the likely path of the economy itself. This makes the zombie bank alternative, condemned by Mr. Baker in the FT on March the 2nd, a likely outcome. Alas, such undercapitalized banking zombies also find it hard to recognize losses or expand their lending. The U.S. Treasury's current response is its stress-testing exercise. All 19 banks with assets of more than $100 billion are included. They are asked to estimate losses under two scenarios, the worst of which assumes, quite optimistically, that the biggest fall in gross domestic product will be a 4% year-on-year decline in the second and third quarters of this year. Supervisors will decide whether additional capital is needed. Institutions needing more capital will issue a convertible preferred security to the Treasury in a sufficient amount and will have up to six months to raise private capital. If they fail, convertible securities will be turned into equity on an as-needed basis. This, then, is loss socialization in action. It guarantees a public buffer to protect creditors. And this could end up giving the government a controlling shareholding in some institutions, Citigroup, for example. But, say the quibblers, this is not nationalization. What, then, are the pros and cons of this approach compared with taking institutions over outright? Douglas Elliott of the Brookings Institution analyzes this question in an intriguing recent paper. Part of the answer, he suggests, is that it is unclear whether banks are insolvent. If Nouriel Rubini of the Stern School in New York were to be right, as he has been hitherto, they are. If not, then they are not. Professor Rubini has suggested for this reason that it would be best to wait six months by when, in his view, the difficulty of distinguishing between solvent and insolvent institutions will have gone. They will all be seen to be grossly undercapitalized. In those circumstances, the idea of nationalization should be seen as a synonym for restructuring. Few believe banks will be best managed by the government indefinitely, though recent performance gives some pause. The advantage of nationalization, then, is that it would allow restructuring of assets and liabilities into good and bad banks. The big disadvantages are inherent in organizing the takeover and then the restructuring of such complex institutions. If it is impossible to impose losses on creditors, the state could well own huge banks for a long time before it is able to return them to the market. The largest bank restructuring undertaken by the U.S. before last year was that of Continental Illinois, seized in 1984. It was then the seventh largest bank, and yet it took a decade. How long might the restructuring and sale of Citigroup take with its huge global entanglements? 
What damage to its franchise and operations might be done in this protracted process? We are painfully learning that the world's mega banks are too complex to manage, too big to fail, and too hard to restructure. Nobody would wish to start from here. But as worries in a stock market show, banks must be fixed in an orderly and systematic way. The stress test should be tougher than now planned. Recapitalization must then occur. Call it a banana if you want, but bank restructuring itself must begin. This podcast is available at www.ft.com forward slash wolf podcast. My columns are available at www.ft.com forward slash wolf. Goodbye.